When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Italy tied the record-breaking Vittorio Pozzo 30 games undefeated with a 1-0 win over Wales in Rome. Wales, on the other hand, qualified in behind Italy in second place after Switzerland couldn't make up the requisite goal difference in Baku against Turkey. Turkey ended with three defeats and eight goals conceded and officially end as one of the worst European Championship teams on record. And so much, so much for dark horses. I am Jake from What If Football This Is. Euro Daily Podcast episode 15 and we are well into the swing of things now as the third round of group stage matches kicked off yesterday on a lovely Sunday afternoon. You can catch any of these Euro Daily Podcasts on Apple, Acast, Amazon or Spotify. Anywhere where you get your podcasts and if you would be so kind as to like, subscribe, give us a lovely five star review if you are enjoying the show. Also we are on Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash whatifootball and after the championships, we will be providing seven days a week content for the price of a pint here in Yorkshire, which is £3, so a good deal if I do say so myself. So let's get stuck in to the beginning of the end of the group stages in Euro 2020. So it all started in Rome, 5pm, as did the other game to be fair, and we only got treated to one kickoff slot yesterday, and it was very depressing after the the lovely roller coaster that was the three games a day, 2pm, 5pm, 8pm over here in the, in Britain. Anyway, so Italy, they only made, they only had two survivors, Jorginho and the centre-half Leonardo Bonucci outfield anyway. Marco Verratti returned to the 11. Meanwhile, Wales and Rob Page, he decided not to risk the players that were booking away, which meant the likes of Ben Davis, Kiefer Moore and Joe Rodon were sacrificed for the likes of Nico Williams Ethan Ampadu and Chris Gunter and that heralded a switch to three at the back which we all thought Wales were going to use this tournament but anyway I think it would um, on paper it worked to Wales's benefit with that split forward counter system on um, on paper at least because of Bonucci obviously Acherby wasn't in there neither was Chiellini obviously I don't think he's risking himself before the knockout phase now after that little niggle that he suffered in the second game and we are 
treated to Bastonio, I thought might have started the championships. Obviously, won the Serie A with uh, with Inter Milan this this season. Rafael Toloi came in at right back for Inter, uh, for Italy rather, and I think he is quite a good choice for right back because he uh, he's naturally a centre half. He can play obviously. He's, he has to be flexible in that um, in that Inter Milan, in that Atalanta team, doesn't he? In uh, under Gasparini's system, and I think it works here because Italy have. One fullback bombing on here. It was Emerson Palmieri, not um, Leonardo Spinazzola. But Emerson is uh, just as offensive, really. And uh, Toloi works more in the in a three in possession, which is probably what he's more accustomed to at Atalanta. Anyway, he had Matteo Pessina, a more central-minded Nicola Barella. Really, he wouldn't he wouldn't provide as much width. But then again, Italy did have um, they did have Federico Chiesa on the uh, right side of midfield, which. Um, Who's providing width? Who's providing good uh, good runs as well? And um, on the other side, it was a whole raft of changes because Roberto Mancini fairly fairly safe in the knowledge that they would get the requisite point to top the group. Obviously, they got all three as it were yesterday. And um, Bernadeschi he pulls in on that left hand side in place of Lorenzo Insigne. He was he was almost sort of playing in the same mould as Insigne really, and that allowed Emerson Palmieri on the left to. Uh, provide the width and in my team preview I said that Emerson would uh, start the tournament how wrong I've been because Spinazzola has probably been arguably the best left back at the tournament Robin Gerson's giving him a bit of a run for his money uh, um, as of late but uh, Spinazzola's been fantastic hasn't he um, it's been the, between those two for the uh, best left back at the tournament so far I thought Andrea Bellotti was making some intelligent runs through the middle um, thanks in part to uh, Marco Verratti who's pulling the strings he was probably probably the man of the match for this game variety was just he flung straight in a few games off hasn't played for Italy in a long time and was just at ease in Rome there against Wales and uh, he was making little little clipped balls Andrea Bellotti would uh, make superb runs in off the back of the uh, three-man defence I felt that Ethan Ampadu was pushing slightly up so in times it almost the Welsh Defence was almost a four sometimes because Ethan Ampadu would join the midfield, but the Italian midfield was just, um, it was too much for for Wales, really, with Jorginho and Verratti in there who can dictate play at will. It was always going to be a tough ask for Wales, whichever system they played, really, would be it. Be it a four-two-three-one, be it four-three-three, or what we saw here, which was more of a uh, more of a three-four-one-two-three-five-two with uh, Ramsey, d- depending on where he would play. Federico Chiesa was um, was my pick to start right wing this tournament, and um, I think Dominico Berardi has probably uh, justified his selection in the uh, first two games that he's made. Chiesa though, did look quite dangerous, and he offers something a bit different to uh, Berardi. He's more about running, he's more about carrying the ball into the box, and he proved here today or yesterday, rather, as I'm speaking. He, um, I thought he was very dangerous with that run and the uh, the left wing back and left centre half. It was they were sort of caught in two minds quite a lot of the time. And uh, Nico Williams couldn't didn't deal with him all too well. I felt during the re- during the game, he was, Chiesa was getting quite a few crosses in, and obviously with Bellotti in the middle, it's very uh, very dangerous ploy for Wales if they were to uh, if they were to let him go. I thought that Wales were pushing, looking to win the ball up higher. A, to be fair, a surprising amount of times really, but obviously we know that's Italy's game. And with players like Matteo Pessina coming in, who um, is used to that high-pressing game at Atalanta, you had also 
Giacomo Raspadori coming in in the second half and obviously Sassuolo, they play a very similar game to uh, Italy and Atalanta really and Persino was leading leading the uh, the press quite well I thought in the uh, attacking midfield role slightly ahead of Giorgino and Verratti it was more of a 4-2-3-1 I felt for for Italy because Persino is just that bit more attacking and I was quite surprised that he didn't make the original 26 he came in for Stefano Sensi uh, Sensi is a bit more withdrawn than Persino. I think Persino offers, I think he offers Italy a bit more. I think he's a bit more offensive, and he's slightly. If they are chasing something, I think Persino can uh, can uh, get Italy going in a different sense. Obviously, Italy is midfield, full of um, attack-minded players. Barella didn't play here today, but he's more of that uh, half winger that met Salah on the uh, right-hand side of the three. I think he's uh, obviously. I've, I put him in my. 11 for the best 11 in uh, in European football this season because he's just been fantastic. I love watching him play football. Um, Chiesa was quite close as well. And on that right-hand side, those two, I thought, they've not played together as yet for a full game, but I thought, I think Barella and Chiesa obviously would be fantastic. Um, Berardi, um, probably selected because, of course, he plays for Sassuolo as well. And they play that high-energy, high high-pressing game for Sassuolo, for his club team. And that obviously reflects well when he's uh, when Mancini's picking the uh, national team the first half I thought it was the first half of near finishes really just lacking that final ball that that on target chance and it was that until a neat free kick routine lovely it looked as it was as it was crossed in the free kick won about 30 yards from goal as it was crossed in I thought oh god that's an awful ball but Pacina's run across the defence was absolutely superb Flicks it on, no answer from Danny Ward. Goes into the bottom corner, one nil Italy, and uh, that is how it stayed. And Persino made it, almost made it two before the half time. This came fairly late on in the first half, and uh, Persino almost made it two with another astute run. And I thought he was fantastic in the first half. And again, what I was think, what I was talking about a couple of uh, days ago with Wales, it's another set piece goal conceded. They have only. They have only conceded two goals at this championships, which is a fantastic tally. But both of them have come from set pieces, and that is something that going into the last sixteen, especially if they are to play um, the Netherlands in the quarterfinals, which we'll discuss. Obviously, it could be a completely different team; it could be someone from Group F in that quarterfinals if they do make it through the last sixteen at all. Um, but we'll uh, go through those permutations later on. The set pieces are a definite word because tournament football a lot of the goals are set pieces and if Wales come unstuck I think that is where it's going to be from this 100% of their goals considered from set pieces now this one is probably more it's a lot different to the goal they conceded against Switzerland the goal against Switzerland was entirely of their own making putting Braille and Bolo against Connor Roberts it was just a mismatch on uh, Rob Page's behalf. He did it a couple of times in that game, which was worrying. Uh, but this is just this is more of a more of a quality from Italy. It was um, something a bit more than a set piece. I feel so they shouldn't shouldn't feel too worried. But I, at the same time, I think that is one of their main worries going into the <laughs> as counteractive as that sounds. Uh, one of their main worries going into the last sixteen in terms of where the goals are going to be coming from in terms of uh, conceding. Italy almost made it two after the break. A decent Bernadeschi free kick at the base of the post. And again, that's another set piece, but you know, we can't deal with that. So that's a um, a moment of quality there from Bernadeschi. Oh, almost, anyway. 
And then Italy's, uh, Wales's troubles got worse, really, with Ethan Ampadu sending off. And it is a bad tackle. It is a bad tackle. It's sort of like, it's sort of like an orange card, isn't it? <laughs> if I'm to use that cliche, it's not a, not a red. I don't think it was. I'm not, we're not that, I'm not that type of podcast here. I'm not going to, uh, get into the granular detail of refereeing errors because as we all know it's a yeah, very very hard job and I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to be uh, PGMOL and uh, no I'm not that type of podcast and but I do think it wasn't a red card but let's just leave it at that I don't think we can judge Italy too much after this match because of the whole raft of changes there was eight changes in total even Sirigu got off the bench for Domaruma which was a really bizarre uh, moment in the uh, in the match because obviously Donnarumma wasn't picking up an injury. I think it was just a a measure for Sirigu to get some minutes. I mean, he came off came on on the 89th minute, so maybe it was just a maybe it was just a sentimental thing so he could get some minutes in a, a tournament. Say, oh, I've played in a tournament. I don't, I don't know whatsoever. Um, Italy won't ended up winning one 0 as we know, and they became the fourth team not to concede in the group stages of the European Championships. And half of those four teams have been Germany. First off in uh, 1996, where they won all three group games, so Italy become only the second team in the European Championships to win all their group games and not concede a goal. And of course, in 1996, what did Germany do? They won the tournament. So is that a good omen for Italy? It's tenuous at best. Anyway, the other two teams were in 2016. We had Germany and Poland also in the same group. Poland got to the quarterfinals, Germany got to the semi-finals, both knocked out on penalties. No, Germany won a penalty shootout, Germany don't get knocked out on penalty shootouts, that's a rookie mistake from me. Anyway, we go into the knockout phase on Saturday, it begins on Saturday again, we've got two rest days on Thursday and Friday unfortunately, but of course we have to keep the players fresh. Wales will open up the knockout phase in Amsterdam on Saturday, we don't know their opponents just yet. But um, later that day, Italy will play at Wembley on that Saturday and that will be a potentially record-breaking game for the Italians as they are now 30 undefeated, which uh, harkens back to the Vittorio Pozzo days where Pozzo won the 1934 and 1938 World Cups. Obviously Mancini, he stated before the before the tournament that he would ra- rather be focusing on the role of honours rather than the, the undefeated record because obviously... He could go 31 undefeated, get knocked out in the quarterfinals and who does that benefit? Absolutely nobody but their opponents. The only time of a time that Italy have had a 100% record in the group stages of the Euros was in 2000 and of course, as we all know, they were the finalists there. Obviously failing to that uh, David Trezeguet golden goal and if you are, haven't seen on our YouTube channel, we did uh, What If The Golden Goal Rule Never Existed? Would Italy win the European Championships in 2000? Who knows? It's mainly centred on the 2002 World Cup, though, with, uh, with Sweden, Senegal and uh, Turkey for that one. Also, Germany would win Euro 96 with uh, the Golden Goal rule abolished because they were just the best team at that tournament, weren't they? Hard to say from, a, from an England perspective, anyway. In the same quarter of Italy's draw, we have a likely scenario of Belgium, or potentially third from Group F as well, which still could be one of Portugal. France, Germany, and of course Hungary, not to discount Hungary, but uh, if Hungary are to uh, if Hungary are to uh, beat Germany, they'll probably go second, unless, um, yeah, they'll probably go second. I don't see a situation where Hungary finished third, because if they beat Germany, they go above Germany, that must mean that Portugal beat France. Um, in terms of goal difference, I can't see it... I, I just can't see Hungary for it. It's either second or fourth now, most, most likely fourth, but uh, 
we will see. And obviously the winner of Group F in the half of the draw would be waiting, or the likely winner of Group F. It could be any other team, of course, as we have seen shocks at this tournament, but that is likely to be France if they beat Portugal in a couple of days' time. And that semi-final is, of course, at Wembley, as both semi-finals are. So how far can Wales go in this tournament? Let's plot a route. Let's plot the path all the way down to the final, shall we? So in the last 16, they've got one of Russia, Denmark or Finland. Or if Finland spring a surprise on Belgium, they could be playing Belgium, obviously. If Finland beats Belgium, Finland finish second or, you know, permitting the result between Russia and Denmark, of course. Should Finland beat Belgium, it could be that, but it's very unlikely. So if Wales win in Amsterdam, if they get through one of Russia, Denmark or Finland, a more winnable contest, you might argue, than a Switzerland or a Turkey. Um, maybe not Turkey so much, but uh, <laughs> they would return to Baku for the quarterfinals. Obviously, a bit of an advantage there because they know the uh, they know how to play in Baku. They got four points. They got all their points from Baku, didn't they, in the first two games? Crucially, though, they've got six days between now and the last 16. They've got another seven days between the last 16 and the quarterfinals, so that could be very um, very advantageous for Wales. And I think Wales' success entirely boils down to the draw that the Netherlands get because the Netherlands could face the third place from Group F, which would, wouldn't would help Wales at all because obviously that could be a tie against Germany, for example. And then Wales playing Germany in the quarterfinals, a whole different prospect to Wales facing the Netherlands and I don't think the Netherlands in Baku I don't think that's as impossible a tie as it might look on paper to some the Netherlands I think a, a little a touch leaky at the back obviously with uh, Mathis de Ligt coming in for the second game they looked a bit stronger in the uh, stronger in defence but I do think Wales could spring a surprise on the Netherlands I'd still probably fancy the Dutch to go through but it's not out of the realms of possibility that Wales who made the semi-finals in 2016 whilst of course the Dutch were watching from home that they could uh, repeat that feat and finish in the semi-finals as well. And obviously, who are in the half of the draw, or who is likely to be in that half of the draw. So we've got the Group E winner, the Group D winner, and the Group F runner-up, who are probably the front runners to be in that semi-final. So we've got, it could essentially be Spain, England, or France, the strongest. But it also could be Sweden, Czech Republic, or Hungary, couldn't it? And um, I'll probably have a mismatch of those. I think it'll either be Sweden, England, and France. No, Sweden, England and Germany, sorry. And I think that'll be the three that are joining in the other half of this draw. So a semi-final might be a touch too far, but it is at Wembley. It would be a grand occasion for Wales and we've seen in the past few days here, haven't we, on this weekend of football. Scotland rose their game at Wembley against England. Wales, especially if it's against England, that will be a huge momentous affair. Maybe even bigger than Scotland versus England in the group stages. And obviously the winner would play at Wembley on the Sunday for the final. And it's a one-off game. Anything can happen, can't it? And uh, Wales, I think they're an outside bet to get into the semi-finals. I'm not going to uh, say they will get to the semi-finals. I think their journey will probably end at the quarterfinals. It entirely depends on the nature of the third-place teams in the group and how kind the Netherlands draw is because I think Netherlands are beatable. I wouldn't say they would... Um, I wouldn't be 100% confident that they would win, but they're definitely one of the easier ties that Wales could get in the quarterfinals. Let's say that. Let's sit firmly on the fence and get splinters up our ass. What will let Italy down here, though, and it seems as though nothing right now, <laughs> although Italy are yet to face a top team, but as they say, you have to beat what's in front of you, and they have done fairly comfortably, and they do have the quality 
I believe, and the ability to rotate, I believe. Any speed weaknesses at the back with Benucci and Keeling, he could be could be arrested by bringing Bastoni and it could also be mopped up by pacey fullbacks in the likes of uh, De Lorenzo, Florenzi, Spinazzola. Spinazzola has been supreme going forward. I think he will be key defensively if Italy are to win this uh, this tournament. They seemingly have everything. They can retain their high energy, high pressing style. If they do retain that, I think they've got a very good chance against teams that are, as we've seen across the top five leagues in Europe, teams are less willing to press. If Italy can retain this, can maintain this pressing up till the final, they can definitely win it. I think they're in the band of three or four teams that are probably the favourites right now after what we've seen over the past few days. I'm still clinging on to that English bias that they're involved in that top four, but you've definitely got Belgium and France in there as well as Italy, of course. Italy, probably undisputed now, the best looking team at the tournament, not only in their football, but in their style and dress sense and those blazers that Roberto Mancini, Gianluca Vialli, etc. on the bench have been wearing. I think Chiesa can bring something a little different than Berardi. You've got Bernadeschi and Raspadori there. Fairly similar. Offer something a tiny little bit different to Lorenzo Insigne on the other flank. Bellotti is more of a presence than a Mobile in the middle. And I think it's um, they've got a good sort of depth there to rotate and drop someone in when they need to, to match a different plan, to have different answers, to go down different avenues. I think they're probably the Swiss army knife of the football teams at this tournament so far and I had them down as not dark horses because I think that slightly undervalues them I had them down sort of like lurking in the background waiting because we all we all said France England etc didn't we um a little niggle in the back of my mind said Italy I think I said at the start of the tournament they get to the semi-finals because France are in the same half of their draw but after watching the past few games, Italy-France would be... I think that'd be deserving of a final. Um, it truly would. And I, I'd love that to be a final if England can't be in it, of course. And uh, that would be a fantastic game at Wembley. A repeat of the 2000 final, where Italy were better than France on that day. Um, just a spoiler for any any uh, Patreon subscribers or someone who's wanting to be a Patreon subscriber. We have got on the Great Games podcast the very first episode, Italy versus France from Euro 2000. We'll be covering that as well. Um, and it is a fantastic game of football and an okay podcast, if I do say so myself. So after this short break, we'll be looking at the 2021 trivial tees. Only three correct answers today, so slightly harder. The uh, stakes are ramping up. And of course, after that, we'll be covering the other Group A fixture and previewing today's action in Group B and C. <laughs> Welcome back. This is a 2021 Trivial Teaser and well done to Pazza and Jake who are on quite the roll, aren't they, in this uh, Euro Daily Podcast uh, Trivial Teaser realm. I think I make that about, it's got to be more than 10 in a row now. And uh, as well, George Spencer back on the successful trail with the right answer, which was Tony Cruz, of course. Today I am forward. I've been managed by Francesco Guidolin and Sean Deitch. Five of my teammates have been Medi Benatia, Alexis Sanchez, Alan, Piotr Zielinski and Ben Mee. So that is a forward. I've been managed by Guidolin and Deitch. I've played alongside Mee, Zielinski, Alan, Alexis Sanchez and Medi Benatia. If you think you know the answer to that teaser, let me know at whatif underscore YouTube on Twitter. You can also holler at me in the street. 
Find out the answer tomorrow. After this short break, we'll be going to Group A, B and C, previewing and reviewing the action, of course. Welcome back. So the perils of a third group stage game, thanks to the disgrace of Hee Gijon in uh, 1982, we have to play these at the same time now because we cannot trust the footballers and the uh, organisation surrounding them not to throw the game and to make them... uh, (laughs) make them out of the uh, sporting context that we like to uh, revel in. So the perils of it is we have to watch one game on the tablet or the phone or one game on the telly or just sacrifice one game. Of course, I want to watch every single minute of tournament football as I have done since 2006. You know, skived a lot of school that summer watching the World Cup. Anyway... I watched Switzerland versus Turkey on the phone on ITV's app. And uh, in came Steven Zuba, who was fantastic, by the way. Um, Ricardo Rodriguez went back to left centre half and uh, Vidma went to right wing back in place of Kevin Mbabu. Meanwhile, Turkey made three changes from the loss to Wales and started very, very good early on. At least they were pushing high. Kai and Iron had a long drive early on and they were they were out to reclaim five goals in terms of standing any chance to qualify and... Um, it just was never going to happen, despite the energy, despite the despite the attacking impetus early on from Turkey. And it was nine minutes in when Switzerland found the breakthrough. Harris Seferovic finally comes good. I've been slagging him off all tournament. And his low-drilled effort squirmed through into the bottom corner. It's his second international goal at an international tournament. The first being a last-minute winner against Ecuador in 2014. I'm sure you all remember that. And now seven years on, he's got his second. So his record is sort of... We saw Lewandowski score his third international tournament goal uh, the other day, didn't we? And perhaps Seferovic is um, trying to keep clear, trying to keep on uh, form with Lewandowski, which uh, in any other sense, it would make him a huge superstar. But now he's sort of underperforming. But with that goal inside the ninth minute, it seemed like all the steam, all the early, you know, pizzazz that Turkey <laughs> that Turkey provided was just gone. It evaporated instantly. Um Zuba then at left wing back grew into the game. He was popping up on the right channel as well. He's lovely interplay with uh, Braille and Bolo at times. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Found nice pockets of space infield as well. I thought he was much more effective um, than Ricardo Rodriguez. Perhaps this is a, a ploy that they're going to go down elsewhere as well. Ricardo Rodriguez also pushed up from left centre half as well. And I thought that left side with Shakiri as well coming in, um, creating a little. Uh, little triangles there. I thought it was very, very prosperous for Switzerland to go down that avenue and he didn't win the man of the match, but he should have done Steven Zuba. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. As was, of course, that superb Jordan Shakiri goal. He's now into tournament football mode, isn't he, Shakiri? Curled into the top corner, absolutely beautiful. Not as good, obviously, as that overhead kick that he's got outside the box last time in the uh, year of 2016, but of course, it was another great Shakiri goal. He's, he's got to be one of Switzerland's highest goal scorers at tournaments now. He uh, scored that hat-trick in the World Cup a couple of years back, didn't he? And he's just fantastic when he puts on a uh, when he puts on a Switzerland shirt. He was through moments later and Switzerland looked very good on the ball. They were very, very dangerous. And I just think, where was this football? Obviously, Wales in the same venue, the first match there, they were very, they were good, but they were just, they were lacking a little bit of something. I think they've got into a bit of a rhythm now and they are in third place, but as we will see later on, they're very likely to qualify. It will take a lot for them not to qualify. And um, 
Second half, the gaps were opening up for Switzerland. Turkey's heads had gone a little bit. They weren't as uh, disciplined defensively. And they, they knew by this point, I think they knew by the 1-0 that they were out, really. Um, by 2-0, it was definitely over. First, Zuber had a good chance. Then Mbola had a good chance. But then Turkey got a goal against the run of play. Another belter of a goal into that half of the pitch in Baku. Kavici from distance. And if Turkey got one, got a goal in this game, it was always going to be against a run of play or from distance or from a set piece. And this is what it was. And that would be Turkey's only highlight of what has been quite a poor tournament. Um, defensively, they, they carried their form from the World Cup qualifiers, which seen them concede three times to Latvia, which is definitely not something you want to happen. Um, obviously, they were great defensively in qualification, but qualification now is a long time ago. Maybe if this tournament was 12 months prior, obviously the players would be slightly younger in terms of the inexperience that they do have in defence. It is a very young defence. But I think it, it, that form, that defensive form for the country would have uh, kept intact. It would have been a very, very different group A. But it is the first step for a team like uh, Turkey. They're very young and 2022 World Cup will be something that they will be uh, will be hoping to capitalise on in Qatar as well. So fairly close by in the grand scheme of things if they are to qualify they made a good start and it's not it's not all doom and gloom I don't think for Turkey they will come good again I think they will qualify for the World Cup next year and if they do I think they can uh, pull off a few shocks there um, with the uh, with the knowledge with the experience that they've had um, in Rome and Baku and this summer and I think it will help them in the long run but here they were absolutely shocking weren't they and Shakiri's second goal Switzerland's third would be on the counter and when they click, Switzerland have been very dangerous. And I think they've now got the momentum after a bit of a stop-start. A couple of uh, games, they were okay against Wales. Probably should have won it, but didn't. Um, Italy, they were playing Italy. So it's maybe that Italy team now looks a lot better. Now Switzerland have clicked into gear. Now um, we say they haven't been tested. Obviously, I don't think Switzerland played all that well in Rome. <laughs> but uh, they've still faced a good team in Switzerland. And they might not have been at the best, but still beat them handsomely didn't they in the second match there Granit Xhaka hit the post as they tried to uh, close that goal difference just as Gareth Bale missed a sitter in the other game I watched it on two screens at the same time it almost happened simultaneously and Bale missed if Bale would have scored that uh, volley was in acres of space could have brought it down if he wanted to um, that would have made Switzerland's uh, Switzerland's fight for goals four and five all that more irrelevant really uh, Turkey ended up conceding eight goals and only Yugoslavia in 1984, Bulgaria in 2004 and Ireland in 2019 have conceded more in a single European Championships and they equal their unwanted record from 1996 of losing every single group game where they of course went out in a group containing Portugal, Denmark and Croatia. Switzerland now play the waiting game to see who they'll face in the knockout stage to see if they're actually qualified or not. But four points and minus one goal difference, that should be that should be probably on the higher level of um, teams. Goal difference might let them down if they don't don't qualify. But I'm fully expecting them to qualify. It would have had them qualified um, for the previous championships. Probably it would have been second out of the four third place teams that went through. And in the World Cup history, the 24 team World Cup history between 1986 to 1994, when they had that last 16 knockout phase, they would have qualified for all those as well. So. Without getting granular about it, the um, the two groups ranked outside the top four third place currently is Group D and E. Obviously, that will boil down to a lot between the games between Croatia and Scotland and, of course, Sweden and uh, Spain and Slovakia, rather. 
if this is to remain the case, if Group D and E don't qualify in third place, that would mean Switzerland would play the winner of Group B, which is likely to be Belgium. Alternatively, they could face the Netherlands as well, which, as we said, previous segment is a kind quarter of the draw, isn't it? So it ended on Italy 9, Wales 4 with plus one goal difference, Switzerland 4 with minus one goal difference, and Turkey bringing up the rear in uh, Nilpois in fourth place. Italy will play the second place team in Group C, which is now going to be Ukraine or Austria, which we'll be previewing later on. Wales, as we said, will play second place in Group B, likely to be Denmark, Finland or Russia. Meanwhile, another scenario for Switzerland could be Belgium in Seville, Sweden in Glasgow, and I was completely wrong, it's France in Bucharest if <laughs> if they are to qualify in third place there. Switzerland and Sweden would, of course, be a repeat of the 2018 World Cup last 16, where, as we know, Sweden won the right to lose to England in the quarterfinal. <laughs> and uh, I think that'll be a very good clash of two very, not similar teams, but of the same quality. I think it would be one of the better last 16 ties, if a bit attritional, but that's knockout stage football at international tournaments, isn't it? Now they have the momentum, they finally clicked into the gear, they could get to a quarterfinal. I think for the first time in European Championship history, it must be because they got to the last 16 last time, losing to Poland on penalties. But um, I think Belgium and France will be too strong for them easily. Sweden are beatable, but it's still a very, very tough game, isn't it? And um, Switzerland, I will, Switzerland would excite me now in the last 16. They've finally got a kick up the bum with that win. They've got the momentum, they've got the confidence from it as well. Granite Xhaka's daddy's hair blonde, it's all going for him. And uh, we'll see what what they can do in the last 16, which will be on um, Sunday, I believe. I'll have to uh, revisit the old uh, wall chart for that one. Let's preview today's action. So we've got the conclusions of Group B and C. So we've got a whopping four games today, unfortunately. They're played in two time slots because of that disgrace of Gijon all them years ago, nearly 40 years ago now. And if you've not seen What If the Disgrace of Gijon Never Happened... I've got a what if on my YouTube channel, another plug there, another sneaky, sneaky plug. So, Russia play Denmark. A Denmark win would remove the damage, or most of the damage, of the previous two games. It is in the park and stadium again, so that means Denmark have got home field advantage. Denmark, undoubtedly the better team, the bigger team. They'll need to mask their emotions again, not lose themselves in the occasion again. I thought they slightly, you know, over exhausted themselves in the first 45 minutes. It was a high emotional affair against Belgium. But I do think, obviously, Belgium, the only way Belgium sort of limped over the line in that one was because of the quality that they brought on. De Bruyne, Hazard, Witzel. Obviously, they've got Lukaku as well. Tog and Hazard, who will miss um, his their game against Finland, but it's only a minor injury, I'm uh, led to believe. So... Christian Eriksen's discharging from hospital on Friday will have helped the Danish team immeasurably in terms of their mental health and the well-being. Obviously, there's still probably quite a few of them still suffer from the uh, PTSD from that. Um, I'm not um, doubtful of that. They will be still suffering slightly, but that'll give them a little boost, I think. Both Russia and Denmark are on minus two goal difference. Of course, Denmark are on zero points. Russia are on three because of that win against Finland last time. But a Denmark win will go will help them above Russia regardless because of the goal difference. And if it's split three-way head-to-head, it means that uh, it will boil down to goal difference. And that means that Denmark could go above Finland despite the head-to-head records, but they'll just need a a better goal difference than Finland, which would mean a two-goal win. Or if Belgium are to put a few goals past Finland, then Denmark only need to win on that one. 
it will boil down to the head-to-head goal difference and a win for Denmark. It would see, if Finland do lose against Belgium, it would see Belgium on nine and the other teams on three. So it's very all to play for in this uh, game, on this group in both games, which is something you can't say about Group C. And I think the avenue for Denmark, obviously Russia don't have the qualities that Belgium had in that second game, that overturned that game so quickly in uh, Copenhagen. If Denmark nullify Mirenchuk, Alexei Mirenchuk, they'll win the game comfortably. I've, I've seen nothing from Russia to believe that they deserve to be in the last 16. It was one piece of quality from one individual against Finland. Finland, who might have had, if Joel Ponyapalo timed his run a bit better, might have had that advantage inside just three minutes last time out. And it could have been a different story then. And Finland could have already been home and hers. But it is what it is. And um, Russia are in three points ahead of Finland. But we will, uh, we'll of course, see. I think that's eight o'clock tonight, as is Finland versus Belgium. Belgium need a point to win the group. And of course, a point would be beneficial to Finland as well because it would uh, it would see them all but qualified, wouldn't it, really? Because they've got zero goal difference and four points. It would take them above Switzerland in that scenario in terms of the third-place teams. And uh, that would be uh, that would be highly beneficial. Of course, Denmark could beat Russia and Finland would be second, which would be a turn-up. And they would, of course, face Wales, of course, the winner. The winner of the group plays one of the third-place teams from A, D, E, or F. So as we stand now, that is Switzerland. It is... Croatia, it is Spain, or it is um, it is Portugal. Yes, Portugal. So winning the group does not guarantee an easier ride of it in the second round, of course. Wales is preferable to some of those games. So, for example, Spain or Portugal. But it's a risk. It's a very big risk to... Uh, try and lose the game to get a, a, an unfair, not an unfair advantage, but a, an advantage in terms of the team playing in the last 16. Of course, the winner, the third place team will play the winner of Group E or F, which looks more likely now to be Spain, to, more likely to be Sweden rather than Spain, or France of um, Group F are to face the third place team. So it could be any 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 conglomeration, any... any uh, sort of mix of teams there and it's not really the only thing that will be settled after tonight would be uh, whoever whoever finishes in second will play Wales in Amsterdam to open up the knockout phase which uh, should be a, an exciting game Martinez he isn't looking to rest any players he's looking to start De Bruyne he's looking to start Hazard Witzel he's already announced this um, we'll probably see Romelu Lukaku play because I don't th- I think he needs that momentum he needs to keep playing Martez didn't rest too many against England. He rested a handful, didn't he? Not too many in that term. What was essentially was a dead rubber in 2018's World Cup third match where they were both qualified and they only needed a, a point to um they only needed a point to finish top of the group. They won it in the end, of course. There is a way though that Finland can lose by a goal and Russia get something versus Denmark and go through. But a point, especially if Denmark beat Russia would mean second place and um, Wales in the last 16 which Wales versus Finland who would have predicted that in the last 16 (laughs) certainly not me and Finland second place in the group who would have predicted that certainly not me again and um, I'm glad that's on at 8pm tonight I'm pretty sure it is with Group C playing uh, earlier on in the day because there is very little resting on Group C of course Netherlands versus Macedonia it's a dead rubber Netherlands are already confirmed winners. North Macedonia already confirmed fourth. So it's very, very little to play for, but pride. The Netherlands will likely rest a few players. 
for a um, last 16 tie, which could be against a third place team from Group F, as we discussed um, earlier on. It could also be against Croatia, it could be against Scotland, it could even be against England, should uh, England finish in third place in Group D. It could also be against Spain, of course, a re- repeat of the 2010 World Cup. So that is that's probably going to be the game that I put on the... Uh, put on the phone or the tablet or whatever and the big one the big uh, the bigger occasion the game's got more rest on it Ukraine versus Austria is the huge game and it's quite simple too Austria have scored three goals Ukraine have scored four goals in the tournament so Austria need a win in Bucharest to leapfrog Ukraine meanwhile they could both play for a point and in the event of one of them finishing third whoever finishes third out of that they will play the winner of group E which could be Sweden which might not be the worst idea in the world obviously groupie lot to play for in that Poland against um, Poland against Sweden which will uh, completely change the whole last last 16 picture going into the uh, final game here and of course third place can also play group F which could of course be could of course be France uh, which is something you would want to avoid of course the winner of Ukraine versus Austria will go into the last 16 to play Italy in the uh, first day of fixtures at Wembley as well I don't know if that's an added incentive or whatever um, of course if Ukraine get a point it would see Austria through pretty much you'd, you'd expect they would go above Switzerland um, but they wouldn't know because this is 5pm 5pm uh, kickoff in British time anyway so they won't know who if they're going to get through or not they might know a bit more who they will face but um, Ukraine versus Italy the last 16 at Wembley would be a fantastic occasion I think Ukraine are probably they might I don't think the edge Wales, they'll probably edge Switzerland, but of course Italy didn't play a full-strength team against um, against Wales. Italy versus Ukraine in the last 16 would be a fantastic affair. Yamalenko and Yaramchuk, their combinations, probably we'll see them through against Austria. Yaramchuk is all aboard. We're all aboard, aren't we? We're all aboard. He's, uh, he's golden boot train. He's going to win it. It's, um, it's all, all but confirmed now, isn't it? Really just needs two goals here. To leapfrog Patrick Schick and Cristiano Ronaldo to get himself back in the mix. And um, Ukraine have looked a bit of a stronger outfit than Austria. Austria is probably sprinkled with quality a bit more, like Arnautovic, Sabitzer, Alaba, etc., etc. Arnautovic will be back. He'll probably start up front, won't he? You've got to say. And uh, they do have the quality to hurt Ukraine. But even then, a loss for Austria, or indeed a loss for Ukraine, really, might not guarantee last 16 football. It will open that door for Switzerland that bit more if there is a winner in that game because... Um, they will be behind Switzerland and going into Group B if, as I predict, Denmark will beat Russia, Belgium will beat Finland. That will see Switzerland through to the last 16 and they won't have to wait any longer to find out if they are to play last 16 football or if they're going home. Kind of cruel if it goes down to the final day and they don't go through and they've been waiting and training there to train for their last 16 match and they're not through. But uh, we will cover that. We'll cover all of it tomorrow. We'll cover all four games tomorrow and preview Group D's conclusion, which is, of course, England versus Czech Republic. Can they bounce back? Can Czech Republic continue this uh, slew of momentum into Wembley? And uh, can Scotland finally qualify for a knockout stage at a tournament? They only need to beat Croatia. Can it be done? Of course it can. We will cover all that tomorrow on ACAS, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and Patreon, of course. Until then, see there and hopperange. Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.